Hello there, this is Dr. Alan Hedberg, and it's the Psychology Report. I uh, would like to address today one of the uh, unfortunately common problems in our society, but a tragic one, you know, as well. And that is the situation with our children who are victims of circumstances. Some of the children are victims of divorce. Parents were married, had children, after a period of time decided that this marriage was not viable and they go their separate ways with the children then left to fare for themselves or at the mercy of each individual parent and how well they do following separation and divorce. As we know, some single parents then do very well and others do very poorly. Generally speaking, the children do poorly. But then we have another set of children who are victims of uh, circumstances in a different way. The uh, parents never did marry and um, have children and go their separate ways and there is not the commitment or is not the bond to the children that there would be had there been a marriage. So again, the children are victims of the uh, desires of both parents and the degree to which the parents will commit to the children for an ongoing relationship. Some do very well. Some do very poorly. And then obviously we have a lot of children who are just the victims of situations where a woman has a child but no commitment on the part of the father. So basically, she is the only child, or is the only parent the child understands and knows. And uh, in such situations, not uncommon for the child to have a variety of men coming in and out of the home, acting as a quasi-parent. We have many situations where the father is gone and is now referred to as a phantom father. So children have a variety of situations they have to deal with. Unfortunately, they're not prepared to deal with it, not trained to deal with it, not, allowed, not, not, ed, not educated, not even of age to deal with it. A recent study was done in, internationally uh, and found out that in America, a child has on the average around three fathers in their lifetime. Some countries it's four, some countries it's two. Uh, but in America, we have a variety of fathers that come and go out of the home of a child and for a period of time served as a father. I ask children sometimes, of the fathers that you've had, which one did you like? Which one was the, served as really a father to you? And they all name one. There may have been three or four that came out of the home, but only one ever bonded with the child, but then left and departed and abandoned that particular child. So we have a variety of situations that kids have to deal with. So we have children of divorce, and we have children of separation, we have children of non-marital relationships, etc., etc., and etc. But some children have what we call the experience of having co-parents. 
One parent being more committed than the other. One parent being more bonded than the other. One parent being more uh, more involved than the other. One parent being more trained to be a parent than the other. One more naturally a parent than the other. But children have to deal with two parents in some kind of a combination. The other day I had a child in my office that on Friday night, every other week now, every other week, the, ch the child is picked up from school by the mother. The mother then drives 200 miles to a meeting point with the father. He drives down from the north 200 miles, and they meet. Spend about 15 minutes together. The children get into the car of the father and drive another 200 miles. That's Friday night. Then that is repeated on Sunday afternoon and Sunday evening. The father brings back the child to that meeting point, and the parents then meet, exchange the child, and go their separate ways. And the child then on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, travel another 400 miles to go back to the home of the mother. And that's repeated every other week. The unfortunate part is that when the children go to the father, after having been in a car for 400 miles, the father then, on Saturday morning, goes to work. Comes home about mid-afternoon, and then spends the afternoon with the children, Sunday morning with the children, and then get in the car and drive the child, or the children, back to the mother. So they get, what, about a day's time with the father. Maybe a day and a half with the father. And 400 miles of travel. You know, that's kind of a tough thing for a child. Children don't like it at all. But they want to spend their time with their father. But it's very limited time, minimal time. But what are some of the uh, pieces of advice that we can give parents who have this co-parenting relationship uh, with another person, with another parent? Well, let me give you just kind of a checklist here of some of the things that are very important for children in a co-parenting relationship. First of all, Parents have to help the children feel safe. They have to know that whether in the home of the mother, the home of the father, they'll be safe. They will not be exposed to danger, not be exposed to family, friends, other peoples, and um, that will be a, a risk to them. But they'll only be exposed to people who are friendly, who are kind, and who are supportive. But children need that sense of being safe, whether they're in one home or the other. Secondly, it's important to um, avoid any kind of situation where uh, the child is left alone for an extended period of time, in a particularly in a strange environment, in a strange, a strange community or a strange home. In other words, that puts them at risk. It gives them a fear. Parents cannot just leave the child and go and do something, which many do. But a child needs that parent relationship with them at all times, especially at these times when they feel very vulnerable and feel very frightened and very, very insecure. So they have to feel safe, but they also have to feel cared for and protected. Thirdly, the parents have to kind of share the responsibilities. Children go to doctors. Children have after-school sports. Children have events that they participate in. Children have various kind of appointments. Children have events that they want to participate in. And parents have to then commit 
to sharing these responsibilities. Child is sick. Parents have to share that sick time with the child. Can't always fall to the mother. Can't always fall to the father. But it has to be mutually shared, and they have to kind of give to the child at those special times in the life of a child. Also, it's important that um, a child um, is not the messenger, is not the one that communicates from one parent to the other. You know, it's not that we place that child in a difficult situation where one parent tells the child to tell the other parent something. Can't do that. Or carry something from one parent to the other, like a messenger. Can't do that. Children are not messengers. Children go from one parent to the other, but if there's any communication, it's got to be done between the parents. If there's any uh, transfer of items and packages done between the parents. Children are not to assume that role of being the messenger. Next, we have a problem of communication. Parents need to communicate. They need to let the other parent know what's going on in the life of a child. Now, when do you do that? Parents sometimes argue, sometimes fight, sometimes become very unwieldy. So how do you get a father and a mother to communicate without putting children in a difficult and embarrassing and tense situation? Well, I recommend that parents talk only during school hours. Parent calls one parent and they talk, but it has to be during school hours so that when the children are in school, the parents can do their business. And then the children don't hear, they don't, they're not exposed to whatever takes place in those communications. If yelling takes place, kids don't see, don't hear it. If there's a deal made, the kids don't know what it is. So that's way to protect the children from unpleasant communications is to make sure parents talk to each other only during school hours when children are in school. And it's also important that parents not say anything negative about the other parent in front of the child or to a child or within the child's hearing. Very important that children be protected from the uh, uncommon statements that parents might make one about the other parent. They can't have that. Parents have a relationship with their own child. Children have a relationship with each parent. It's different. And parents can't taint that, can't influence that. Cannot destroy that relationship that a parent and a child has. Might be different from one parent to the other. So we have to honor that and respect that. <laughs> it's also important that children do not know about <clears throat> the financial arrangements between parents. Court set the tone. <coughs> Court set the basis for what the financial arrangements are for the children. What what parent is responsible for, what the other parent is responsible for. That's not the business of children. They don't need to know what that is. All they need to know is their needs are taken care of, and there's money for them, and there's plans for them when they're taken care of. Financial arrangements are between the parents. And I also add to that, parents need to make sure that they put aside savings for the children, 
Father puts aside savings, mother puts aside savings. So that when the child gets a little bit older, there are a lot of expenses. But let alone the expenses of high school and graduation, but going on to college. So those expenses need to be thought through and taken care of right from the very beginning. That's funds are set aside for the future benefit of the child, particularly college education. And lastly, we want to make sure that you give yourself a little bit of slack as a parent. Sure, you're going to stumble and fall. Sure, you're going to say things that are inappropriate and wrong. You're going to say things that should never have been said. Apologize for those. Make sure you apologize. Make sure you seek forgiveness and then commit to trying not to do that again. You know, we're human, and we do things that are not in the best interest of ourselves and the best interest of our children, but sometimes we do that. So it's important that parents uh, seek the forgiveness of their children when they stumble and fall along the way in their parenting responsibilities. So divorce is tough, by the way. Divorce is tough for parents. Divorce is tough for children. And the divorce event in the life of a child generally is not good, no matter what. Even the best situation is not good. Not uncommon for those children to do less well in school. Not uncommon for those children to do less well socially. Not uncommon for those children to be involved in more antisocial behavior. And these are the children that need a special monitoring and help along the way. Illicit, illicit help from grandparents, from friends, and from neighbors, and from extended family members. But make sure you get involved with a local therapist that will help you through the process of parenting when you're doing it alone. A father needs his therapist. A mother needs her therapist. And it might be best if they have the same therapist so they work together as a family. But make sure you're in touch with a therapist that will help you think through the decision-making of being a single parent and do it effectively and appropriately. This has been the Psychology Report, and glad to have you with me today. Bye for now.